Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. Thank you guys for what you do for HBCU Athletics. This is a fantastic avenue for, for, for all of us. This is our ESPN, so we, 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 we love what you guys do. Brian, AD, Roy, all you guys at BCSN, we really appreciate what it is that you, got, you guys do for us. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Good evening. Welcome to another episode, live episode of the ONG Strike Zone. I'm Brian Fulford, joined by my Rattler brothers, Kelvin Rozier and Marcus Green. And it's good to be on with you on another beautiful Wednesday evening, the first, actually the third day of May, my favorite month uh, of the year, (laughs) without saying. Uh, So it's good to be on with you guys uh, Calvin, how you doing tonight? How you doing tonight? No, don't do it. Don't do it. He's uh, he's he's firing up. Well, you, yo, you, you go ahead, go ahead. You got some new, you got some new toys over there that you're just itching to play with. I can tell. I'm good. You. I'm good, bro. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, man, it's, it's all good, man. I'm glad. I'm glad to be getting with the guys. All right, all right. We'll see if that internet connection holds for you over there. Uh, Marcus, how you doing tonight? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know, uh, you know, pondering philosophies and stuff. Uh, 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 
if orange is the new black. Oh, orange is that, the new black. If if orange is the new black, does that mean that FAMU shorts are the new black Air Force Ones? <laughs> mm. Deep thoughts with Marcus Green. Uh might be might be a new segment we need to be thinking about, uh, Kelvin. Uh you know, deep thoughts with Marcus Green. You know, just kind of start running those as little intros coming back from commercial breaks. You know, yeah, my man at the grocery store. I don't know if you saw that clip had on the oh. family shorts, Woo. acting yes, like sir. he has some black Air Force Ones on. Hey. Give him some at right. Say that N word again. Say it again. <laughs> <laughs> you gonna learn today. Hey, uh, the funniest part of that whole video, and and those who haven't seen the video, uh, you know, you know, you you know if you've seen it. There's a guy who just randomly, I feel like he just randomly throws an orange at the guy. Did you, you know who I'm talking about? The guy who's like in a in a in a in a pink salmon shirt or something like that. He for whatever reason he knew that the dude was wrong. And for some reason he I don't know what he threw. It looked like he threw an orange or an apple or some kind of produce at the dude as he felt. Now, now the dude had already hit him, uh, you know, and knocked him to the ground. And then he just kind of throws an orange at him. Like, yeah, man, stay down. What's wrong with you, dude? We don't do that here. And I just, and I'm, it's the funniest thing. Like, when videos like that happen, I'm always watching everybody else. You know, after you watch it the first couple of times, I can watch that thing five times and see something different. You know, like the dude, like when the dude slapped him upside the head, he really was slapping him, but he just kind of hit him on the back of the head, like, you knucklehead, you're going to learn today. And I just am like, bro, really? Did you just do that? Um, but anyway, man, I mean, God, that's like my fear. I, I'm, I'm, I'm more triggered about well, shopping is a pleasure. Yeah. The Publix is supposed to be a great place to go, you know, not, not be in the back of the seafood section getting <laughs> called out by <laughs> getting called out your name and having to, having to be in a viral moment. Jesus, man. Uh, anybody who knows that brother, uh, you know, shout him out. I, I don't know if. I don't know if he's a uh, just a rattler or a fan, or but if, if he, he, you know, he 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 strikes me as family. So if somebody knows that brother in that video, uh, shout him out. Maybe he doesn't want to be shot. You know, you gotta be careful about these viral videos. Anyway, welcome to the O and G Strike Zone. Make sure you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at O and G Strike Zone. You can also download uh, the show if you go to the uh, Jericho Broadcast Networks app. On the Google Play and Apple App Store, you can uh, you can download the show and the show. Uh, you know we're, we're happy to be on. Kenneth Rozier, uh, first one to jump in in the in the chats there. What up, Rozier? That might be somebody you know there, uh, Kelvin. Oh yeah, somebody. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, hmm. B Starks jumps in as well. Good evening to you, B Starks. Good to. Good to see you, Mary305. As always, happy happy to see you. Uh, and always, Chuck Hunt, always one of the top five to get in. Chuck, good evening from Monroe, Louisiana. Good evening, Chuck. Uh, Melissa Wilson also jumping in. Good evening, Melissa. Hello, Tamara T. Also jumping in. Uh, Meredith jumps in as well. So uh, good to see Rattlers. <clears throat> excuse me, from far and wide, jumping in early on the show. We got a lot to talk about today. Coming up, I'll set the guest lineup. Coming up at the bottom of hour number one, we're going to talk to a former 
FAMU quarterback, former NFL quarterback, a Hall of Famer, and the current head coach at uh, Albany State, Coach Quinn Gray, is going to help us kind of dissect a little bit of what we saw this past weekend. (coughs) Excuse me. You know what's interesting, guys, on a on a draft where it was a historic draft day, think about it. we had three black quarterbacks drafted as the first three quarterbacks. Picks one, two, and four. Historic day. Right? On the heels of also two uh two African American black quarterbacks signing major contracts within a what a 72 hour period one of them signing the biggest contract <coughs> just earlier that day and for us in our in our world right it's the i'm going to use the word tragedy or because that's what it felt like to a lot of people that only one HBCU player among the 11 FCS players were drafted. You know, uh, Isaiah Bolden uh, from out of uh, Jackson State in the seventh round. Uh, and so it left us shot, needless to say. So, Kelvin, Marcus, I, I, I'll bring the first question to you of the night. At, you know, at what point were you sort of alarmed or nervous or just kind of in shock? Uh, as you watch the draft uh, about the prospects of our guys or just the low turnout numbers for HBCU players. Kelvin? I wasn't surprised. Uh, I didn't anticipate anybody into the fifth round anyway. Uh, But I was surprised after the fifth round ended that uh, no one had been um, drafted. Only because I understand that Isaiah was considered a tweener because he was a little light. Um, but I, I thought he did everything he needed to do. He checked a lot of boxes. He was a national player of the year. Um, you know, he went to the the, the combine and, and he went to the uh, uh, Reese's Bowl and, 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 and by all accounts played well. And, I mean, he has that 6-4 frame, you know, he had a clean record, turn, you know, uh, background, personality, all that good stuff. So he checked a lot of boxes, and he had and he had a lot of people vouching for him. So mm-hmm. I mean, we HBCU folks weren't the only one surprised by him um, not getting drafted. I mean, you had a uh, uh, a lot of NFL folks who were uh, questioning that. Now, so so that that, that was surprising. I, I didn't. I'll be honest. I I didn't know about the. Uh, I know he was rated higher, uh, but the guy from the, the office lineman, Mark Evans from um, mm-hmm. Pine Bluff, UAPB. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I had not seen him pop. You know, usually when a guy is projected a draft, you know, you've seen where on film he's put it on film, right? Um, I don't know where uh, uh, that that guy put. Sniped today, oh, Marcus. Why don't you? But, uh, while, while, oh, go ahead. Hear me? Yeah, we got you. We got you now. You you were kind of you were kind of coming out a little. Can bit. you hear me? Yeah, we got you. We got you. Okay. Yeah. Well, just 
All right, so it didn't it didn't surprise me except for Isaiah. I, I would say is the only th- not getting drafted at all it was a surprise. And um, but but you know if you look historically at what the NFL has done over the last four years, and um, there was a lot of folks who pointed this out. Um, the FCS just got locked out. Period. It wasn't just HBCUs. Um, right. So, you know, unfortunately, um, unfortunately, the bias is, is real. Marcus, your thoughts? Well, similar to Kelvin, I'm, I'm surprised that it, at the very least, Mark, Mark Evans and um, Isaiah didn't get drafted at all on day three. I, mean, I projected, I mean, I just kind of speculated there'd be day three. And you've seen, we've seen historically that even players from Power 5 and FBS, you know, they, they catch a twinkle in some of the scouts and some of the, the GM's eyes. So you kind of know that eh, they may not be, I guess they have potential, but they may not have had the numbers, but they have a film against competition. And I guess they have something, something that would allow them to be drafted. But I was really surprised that so many of some of the HBCU prospects turned out to be undrafted free agents. You know, I was a little disappointed in that. But one thing I know we've talked about and, and mentioned in various circles is that, well, I mean, the NFL can play that waiting game, even if someone is talented and we see that the Cowboys two years in a row got FAMU undrafted free agents and some of the top players we've had come through the program in the last probably 10 years or so or more. Mm-hmm. And But, you know, the economics of the NFL, when you start giving away big contracts, you have to fill in spots on a – on a more economic basis and using undrafted free agents. And even if you can get HBCU talent, whether, you know, someone doesn't value as much, but if you can get talent that other teams don't value at low cost, you have to balance out your, your um, salary cap somehow with talent or you're going to lose talent. So if you're given, so if you're dedicating 10, 15% of your salary cap to a quarterback and then you add it to the defensive end and all the other expensive positions, then you have to get talent somehow. So even if the market drives HBCU and FCS prospects to the undrafted free agent pool, that still allows them to, by not getting drafted, it allows the teams to get some degree of quality talent at low cost. Um, you know, so despite not being drafted as, as we thought, especially for Isaiah, he does end up with the Cowboys, who... You know, I, I think that's a a good landing place for him, especially given the fact that uh, they, they just, you know, they picked up Marquise Bell the year before. Uh, there's an opportunity in uh, – who's the coordinator at uh, – the former Falcons coach, Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn. Isn't he the, isn't he the D.C.? Yeah. yeah, he's the defensive coordinator, and he's got a track record of kind of getting tweeners like from Bruce Irvin and um, – Gosh, I can't remember the other guy's name, but developing tweeners and Vic Beasley, when he was with the Falcons head coach, he was kind of a smallish linebacker and turned him into a rush linebacker. I mean, he they both did well in college and piqued some interest, but he got a little bit out of Vic Beasley and he got a lot out of Bruce Irvin. So I you know, and, and just going and looking at what the um uh, a lot of the the scout the people who follow the Cowboys and their initial thoughts on the undrafted class. Uh, Isaiah was definitely one of the ones they liked. They had rated high, uh, and I think everybody was talking about his tweener uh, being that being that tweener and being able to find out. But also, I think 
I wouldn't be surprised if there's another 10 to 15 pounds that they're hoping to add on to Isaiah. Because in looking at and, – and, and another thing, I think Isaiah is younger by about a year, maybe a year and a half, than some of the other people who were signed. There were a lot of – amazingly, there were a lot of 24-year-old guys that were signed. And a lot of those – you know, we talked about the impact of COVID. <laughs> there's a lot of older guys who picked up undrafted free agent contracts. Um, so I think, you know, they've seen – his ability to keep 20 pounds on over the past month and a half since the end of the season uh, to the combines and so forth. And then I think that will yield a positive for him if they add another 10, 15 on him, right? Uh, Because I'm sure they will want him to get a little bit bigger. Now, Xavier Smith was interesting because I don't know if Xavier Smith was actually going to get drafted I mean, the hype was really behind him, especially with the, the Steve Smith stuff and the uh, NFL dot, NFL.com stuff. So I, I don't know if he necessarily was a draft guy. But, again, with the intangibles uh, of his body of work and his framework, he went to the perfect spot, I think, because <coughs> – Excuse me. I'll point out to anybody who had a chance to listen to the uh, HBCU nightly broadcast on Saturday night. Uh, KJ Black, former FAMU passing game coordinator, I believe is what he was when he was with us. Mm-hmm. Co-offensive uh, coordinator. Yeah, co OC went to the Rams. Now I think this is his second year. He just finished his second year with them. Uh, he w- he mentioned that he was working with the wide receivers and scouting wide receivers. Well, hey, bingo. He knows Xavier. He knows his body of work, which there were people in the room who did not know Xavier's body of work. You know what I'm saying? And I will just say, hearing him talk about and advocating for Xavier and just the lack of knowledge that a lot of people seem to have a lot of scouts like a lot of scouts are coming around to HBCUs how, how many of their fam you have recently I mean we had what 30 something 24 I think it was yeah. 23 24 I thought I thought I was recalling I that thought it was more than that but okay you might be right maybe it was the year before when there was some but it's a lot of people coming to HBCUs and making the HBCU tour but either they're just checking a box on the tour or they they really there's a there's a disconnect. Um, so you know when we talk about guys getting signed as undrafted free agents, I ask you guys. You know, seventeen were signed as undrafted free agents. That's a that's a plus five from a year ago. Is signing undrafted free agents <clears throat> the way for more guys more, more than ever in the NFL? Is that going to be the way? So, Brian, um, talent-wise, you would have thought that uh, guys would have got a little bit more. The guys who were draft eligible from HBCUs would have got a little more um, play because of how well the guys performed last year. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at uh, the the Durant with the Rams and – and uh, Houston with the Detroit Lions, um, and uh, Joshua Williams with Kansas City Chiefs. 
the HBCU guys who got an opportunity and were drafted, they produced immediately. So you 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 would have thought that uh, given that track record, you know that the, the guys who had the numbers and, and stuff would have gotten the opportunity without having to go undrafted free agent. But you know that's that's just not how it works, to be honest. And and I and I and I add one more thing to it. We talk about the bias of those who doing evaluating and not having the assets. That is true. What is also true, and this is a hard truth here, is that it is difficult to evaluate uh, talent um, when we only play against each other, right? So. Um, outside of a few schools, you know, a lot of HBCUs they don't play against each other. Well, there's not a lot of draft eligible talent in that scenario, so you know it, it's difficult to project. You know, the future ain't that great. Sometimes there's individual coaching. The coaching is is, is pretty good, but honestly, when it boils down to me more than anything, is how much we put into our programs. You know, the difference between the FBS and the FCS, you, we talk about uh, 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 Isaiah being a, a tweener. Well, if he had a better nutrition program and we saw and we supported him better, uh, then that he probably wouldn't have been a tweener. He probably would have been 20, 25 pounds heavier. So, you know, it, it's things like that. We have to, we being HBCU athletic uh, administration, universities and fans we have to do more with more it goes back to that also those d1 schools they have more coaches and more grad assistants so they get individual uh, attention to detail so all those things matter and so i, I think uh hbcus have to do more to support their student athletes so they can be better evaluated also I'm glad you before you jump in there, Marcus. I'm glad you you, you finished what your your comment on that on 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 that uh, on that line, Kelvin. Because I was going, I was initially when you said you thought that a lot of guys, like four guys, got drafted last year, and I think that's when you try to compare four to one this year, it, it's not the same. It because really, what we found out is that it those four guys were very unique because of certain factors, whether it be their measurables, which is largely it, or their performance against Power 5 programs, right? So this year, the one guy who had the unique measurable was what? Uh, a guy who was 6'2", ran a 4'3", can play DB and be special teams. And played at Florida State. And mm -hmm. he played at Florida State, right. Yeah, yeah. And of the three last year, or the four last year, I don't remember the fourth, but of the three, uh, James Houston was the only one that was an FBS transfer. Right. So, needless to say, the guys from this year, uh, obviously, you know, there was the, the, the miss by Isaiah Land. Didn't get an opportunity to show what he could do against North Carolina. That sucked, you know. And then he only played eight games during the year, uh, you know. Uh, anyone can tell you, this year was not the same for Isaiah Land as it was last year. You know, now, who knows? If Isaiah Land would have came out last year, would he have been drafted? I, who, who knows, you know? Because you either have to, from what I'm hearing, and this is what it will be great to kind of talk to uh, Coach Gray about uh, later on at the bottom of the hour. When, 
it, it sounds like, and we all have to be smart about how we talk about this, right? Because I don't want it to get lost when we talk about our world of HBCUs. Let's let's not miss out on the fact. Again, historic day for the NFL draft. Right? Three black quarterbacks were drafted. That's huge. Then, okay, now we talk about at this level and what it means. And I'm sorry, you know, uh, when guys don't get opportunities against the big big names, uh, the big teams, and they don't have these unique measurables, it becomes really tough at the HBCU level to get drafted. Doesn't mean they won't get an undrafted free agent contract, which nowadays, you know, is not is paying not it's good money if you make the team. It's, it's, it's paying good money, you know, and, and and so that's where I think we all have to come away. And, and then yes, the things that we can control, like you just said, Kelvin, being more uh, being more helpful in terms of building up. The nutrition table. We've heard Coach Simmons talk about the nutrition table for how many years now? For since he got there, right? We didn't really understand the impact of that, but now, guess what? Now you, now we hear and see because we finally had somebody who possibly was really impacted by the fact that FAMU doesn't have the great nutrition table that another school might have. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Marcus, uh, Marcus, jump in there with a, with a thought there off of the undrafted free agents, and I want to kind of hit and see what guys are talking about in the chat room. Go ahead. Uh, well, like I was saying earlier, for undrafted free agents, and I've seen the last two or three years where once you get to the later rounds, like sixth or seventh, that some advocate going their undrafted free agent route because you have an option you have options in terms of teams vying for your attention and you get different offers versus getting drafted in sixth or seventh round. And you may go to a team that is looking to build depth, but they may already have some people stacked at that position. So you can almost choose the best opportunity for you from a positional standpoint, because you can examine the rosters and figure out who's left, who do they have, who's a free agent, who's departing, all that type stuff, some of which you may or may not know at the time. As far as that being the route, you know, I mentioned a little bit earlier about teams are looking to get diamonds in the rough because they're looking to kind of balance out the scale with top-heavy salaries and and key positions. But also to Kelvin's point, you know, we have some things we need to address, and it's kind of a combination of things in terms of – the exposure and awareness of certain scouts, and it's great that Coach Black was in the room advocating for Xavier Smith. We don't have a whole lot of that. And we don't know to what degree we have that. And even the coaches that are there who are the same demographic as us, we don't know to what degree they have relationships with HBCUs. And given everything that's happened over the last 50 years as it relates to integration in sports, you know, we have fewer and fewer or actually more, going through the PWI standpoint and building careers that way. So that's what their experience and exposure happens to be. So we have an uphill battle there. And also as it relates to the preparation for the athletes themselves in terms of, so their frame of reference could be, well, you know, Isaiah Land, he's a physical specimen. 
But, you know, if, I, if he would have gone to Alabama or if he would have gone to UCLA, would he be the same weight? I mean, he may have the same physical traits as it relates to his speed and his quickness off the ball and those things and height, things that are inherent. But in terms of development, their frame of reference, once again, is the developmental programs, uh, nutrition and everything else compared to what HBCUs can do. So if they see that someone has a, a, is a diamond in the rough and could have developed even more had they gone to this program, that's another bias, inadvertent, you know, probably unconscious bias, but an unconscious bias that, hey, you know, this guy, if he would have gone to XYZ school that's playing FBS, that has a program in place and all the support and infrastructure and financial to build him up, then I would project him at this round versus the stage of development coming out of an HBCU and I can't stand on pound on the table for him or I can't if I compare. So there's a lot of things that go into it and I'm speculating, but I'm just you know, kind of bouncing off of what Kelvin was saying was that, you know, there's some some areas of improvement if we wish to in the HBCU programs, if we wish to counterbalance any of the negative things. And at some point, you know, there has to be a meeting, a meeting of our convergence, not only what HBCUs can do, but a release of the bias, inherent biases that some of the scouting uh, community has as it relates to HBCU players. So it can't all just be on HBCUs and it can't all just be on the NFL. Two two quick things I wanna I wanna add. Again, I, I have to emphasize to you, and I didn't get time to really kind of paste it into today's show, but if you can go find from HBCU Nightly on Twitter their Twitter space episode 45, the Kate, the fact that you have, that we have somebody, uh, who, who is, who is from our world. In the room. Recently. He was in the room because that is one of the greatest mysteries of all this. I can, I can read down this Twitter thread from Jim Trotter. Uh, great inform, great thoughts here. But we're guessing. A lot of us are guessing, trying to get, and yeah, we talked to a few people, but to actually hear it on record, to hear him talk about how this process is working and playing out, and I, I think he smartly did it in a way that didn't, I don't think it compromised his organization or anything that he does, but just something to make people think about, that is valuable because it makes you say, while scouts, we expect these scouts to come around and do the scouts really care about these players? Do the GMs do the owners? Because they seem to be fascinated with, and I've said this before, the Power Five, the 64-65, the five major conferences, that is the minor league for the NFL. I don't care. Well, you can't convince me anything otherwise. When 10 Alabama and 10 Georgia guys can go, and I don't know how many in total LH, uh, SEC guys and Big Ten guys go, that is their minor leagues, and it they don't always they don't always make it. Shoot, I mean, I'm not saying that they all make the cut, but we're just talking about getting drafted, you know, getting that sort of validation. That validation is really access. Just just having access, and to that point, and to that point, I, I want to. I want to point out uh, that we, Kamara Stevens uh, has put himself in the. Um, don't go! Don't go! Don't, yeah, don't don't jump! Don't jump the gun! Don't jump the gun there with that one yet. Hold on, let's hold that one for a second. I I know where you want to go. Uh, 
let's do this. Let, let's take a break because I don't want to leave Coach Gray in the waiting room for long. We got him up. So we're going to take a short two-minute break, come back with Coach Quinn Gray. We're going to get a chance to talk to somebody who's been in the NFL. He uh, signed as an undrafted. He's had to he, – he worked his way through the system. And I, I'm sure he has lots of thoughts to share. And so we get a chance to hear from the Hall of Famer coming up on the other side. You guys hang in there with us. We'll watch, you're watching the ONG Strike Zone. We'll be back in just a moment. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay. Call Cuvay. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard, as well as the upcoming week of HBCU sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watts and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slow Burn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website www.slowburnwaco.com That's www.slowburnwaco.com Welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, Marcus, and it's a pleasure to have on the coach. And uh, let me backtrack. Let me backtrack. Let me give him his proper his his props in order. FAMU quarter, former FAMU quarterback, former NFL cornerback, MIAC Hall of Famer, FAMU Hall of Famer, and currently the head coach of Albany State Rams, Coach Quinn Gray, Coach. How you doing, Coach? I'm doing well, man. How about yourself, Coach? It's, it's good to it's good to be on. Good to be on, Coach. You got any extra? You got any extra light in that room? We wanna we wanna shine a light on, yeah, on, just, on you as, as much as possible. Yeah, I just told my wife to turn on the light because I saw it was a little <laughs> bit dark. Uh, you know, as dark skin brothers have to have to. Have to. <laughs> <laughs> you beat me to that, Coach. Yeah. yeah <laughs> It's all good. Well, hey, in worst case, it'll 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 work for the uh for the uh, podcast on the BCSN Pod Zone and the audio format. So it's yes, all sir. good. It's all good. Uh, 
So, hey, um, let's kind of start with uh, – let me just kind of just kind of ask how, how you were doing. How was spring football for you? Uh, you? You came in, really didn't have uh, lots of time to, to sort of uh, – you know, get everything in order. But uh, how, how was spring? Give us, give us, uh, let us know how spring was for you. Uh, spring was good, man. Um, I think for us as a as a staff, we uh, we we really didn't know what to expect coming in. Obviously, as a as a first time staff being together, and also me being the first time head coach. But um, I think for me, being places that I've been over the last several years and the experience that I've gotten um, from several coaches that I've been over allowed me to. Uh, transition pretty smooth, but um, the kids were excited about uh, the new direction that we're headed in at, at Albany State. And, uh, you know, for, for, for me, you know, that was an easy part. Um, the, the kids bought in fairly early. Everything that we did almost was different um, in what they've done in the past. And, and the changes that we've made, they were very, very uh, open to. So uh, we had a lot of fun during spring ball, man. Uh, uh, kids weren't used to necessarily. Oh wow, baby, that's a little bright. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's uh, you know, the kids bought in. They had fun this spring. We got a lot of stuff accomplished this spring. Um, and then the most important thing is, you know, we stayed healthy. So, you know, uh, with that, you know, we're going into the summer, into the fall, healthy, with a with a, a very good uh, idea of who's going to be doing what, um, along with some guys that we'll bring in this summer. And then after that, you know, we'll hit the ground running uh, as soon as we're able to because we play fairly early um, mm -hmm. with the first game against Wingate on August 31st. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Well, we, we're looking forward to uh, to following you. Uh, I know my, myself and, and my folks with the Black College Sports Network, I know we're excited about following uh, Albany State and everybody in the SIEC uh, this upcoming year. Uh, okay, so – Obviously, the NFL draft just happened this past weekend. Uh, let's start with just your general thoughts or surprises or maybe not surprised at all from what you saw after the weekend for not only just HBCU players, but FCS players that were drafted or not drafted. I, uh, I actually thought, um, first of all, like you said, it was a historic day with uh, three African-American quarterbacks going in the top five picks. That is uh, uh, it's it's never happened. Um, will it ever happen again? I hope so, but it's it's probably going to be uh, a long time before that happens again. Um, and it just shows you um, the changes that are happening in the game of football on the NFL level. Um, there, there's just no way these days with the speed of the defensive uh, players that a quarterback can just be a sitting duck in the pocket anymore. You have to be athletic. You have to be able to maneuver in the pocket and, and, and then be able to use your legs to make plays these days. So, you know, that is very indicative of how the draft went um, this, this past Saturday. But, you know, on, on, this, on the note of the FCS and HBCUs, uh, you know, I, for me, uh, over the years, man, uh, it, it's, it's been frustrating. You know, myself, several other HBCU players that have gone to the NFL and proven – uh, that we're worthy of, of, of the opportunities that we get. And you would think um, with the, the, the proof in the pudding of guys like myself, Willie uh, uh, Bob Hayes, all these guys that came to FAMU, other HBCUs that are actual Hall of Famers, 
you know, we got several Hall of Famers, guys in the Hall of Fame from HBCUs and the NFL Hall of Fame. So, you know, with that, you would think um, that, that some of these GMs, some of these scouts uh, would be more open to drafting HBCU players because they've proven themselves over the years. Uh, as I put a tweet out uh, over the over the weekend after the draft, man, it's it's uh, it's actually a travesty that every year we have to prove ourselves as free agents. Uh, there's 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 just uh, there's just no way to me, and, and there's just no way the best player, defensive player in the FCS, just a year prior, just doesn't go doesn't get drafted. That, that's unheard of. Um, if you go back over the years and look. Uh, players that were players of the year in the FCS on the defensive side, on the offensive side, nine times out of 10 got drafted. What, where they got drafted, I don't know. Not, it don't matter. But nine times out of 10, they got drafted and was given the opportunity to see their name go across the screen. Because at the end of the day, as you guys have said, everybody wants to see their name go across the screen, go across that screen. Um, but uh, as we know, when that, when that fourth, fifth round uh, ends, it's almost like don't draft me. Um, because the, the advice that I got when I was coming out, um, I, I had a fifth, sixth-round grade, but I also knew that if the fifth round came and I wasn't drafted, that uh, and as, as bad as it may sound, you hope not to get drafted. And yet I listened to him, but I didn't want to hear that because, like, again, everybody want to see that name go across the screen and all that good stuff. But um, fortunately for me, the, the six teams that were interested in me and, the five that called during the seventh round, you know, I had my choice of, of which uh, opportunity gave me the best chance to make an opening day roster, which uh, opportunity gave me the best chance to go in and learn quickly and, and be able to pick up a system that I felt I could run coming from FAMU that was a wide open offense. And we didn't, we didn't huddle. So it was who was going to help me develop the fastest. And obviously for me, you know, that choice was Jacksonville close to home coaches that I, I was familiar with because they came and worked me out. Um, so with that, man, um, moving forward, I just sincerely hope that uh, these GMs and these scouts um, are able to see the value in our young men that are playing on the HBCU level because they are deserving. Uh, and that's just the bottom line. Because I'm going to tell you the truth. I got a corner here at Albany State that and, and there's no doubt that he should be given an NFL opportunity once his time is up. Um, because, you know, coming down there to play against fam, you know, a couple of times they went at him and all that good stuff, Jari Turner and all that good stuff, they tried to go at him a few times. And then on a Division two level, it ain't too many people that caught passes on him this last, this last uh, year or so. So uh, for me, uh, it's important for me as a head coach and, and a guy that's been there to, to promote that. Um, obviously, you know, there's not a whole lot that I could do besides – you know, uh, when they call, make sure I'm talking him up because he's a great kid and all that good stuff. But, you know, it's still up to those those 32 general managers and those, self, those hundreds of scouts to come out and do their due diligence and see him play. Obviously, you know, there, there's only a number of scouts in and around the country, but uh, they, they have to do their due diligence in, in uh, coming to see the talent that's all around the HBCU scope. But, uh, at the end of the day, man, I, I sincerely hope something changes. Because, uh, again, over the last couple of years, as we saw, um, the guys that have been drafted from HBCUs are, are Division One FBS transfers. So they, they it's not like uh, they're drafting HBCU talent. They're drafting 
what, what we call kickback talent from FBS ta- uh, schools. So, you know, until we, until they recognize uh, the, the ball that we play, and like Roger said, we, we do we do get in a little bit of a, a situation with only playing each other um, uh, on the schedule. So, you know, there are some things that uh, we do to ourselves that, that, that we don't necessarily help our guys. So, you know, that, this all goes back to when Isaiah was talking about transferring last year. And, and now you see why he had that thought. You know what I mean? Obviously, you hope that with this draft, that 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 thought and that that uh, situation doesn't happen throughout the landscape of HBCU football. But when you look at it, can you blame them? You know what I mean? So um, our guys want to get the same opportunities that these other guys are getting on the FBS level. And hopefully uh, with the, the play of these guys that are getting these free agent opportunities, they go out there and make a name for themselves and make these teams then they'll hopefully open the eyes of these GMs and these uh, these scouts to to know that okay these guys are deserving of the draft picks that we that we have each and every year, and it, unfortunately they ain't got to that point yet, and hopefully they will because this draft's been going on a long time, and if they ain't got to that point yet, man, you got to ask yourself, will they ever get there? Go ahead, Kelvin. So, coach, what's the takeaway for 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 this? You have someone like Amari Stevens at FAMU, who's a returning All-American. You have Gaddy out at Jackson State, guys that have jumped in the portal, having seen two years straight that, like, the two best defensive players in um, HBCU didn't get drafted. What is the takeaway for HBCU players, and what do you tell those players? You know what, man? Uh <laughs> You, you get that old adage of, man, you just got to keep working. You got to keep uh, putting in the work, working harder to make sure that, you know, whatever you do, you try to out outdo whatever somebody else did that didn't give them the opportunity. Um, but at what point, man, we all human. At what point does a, a college uh, student athlete see Isaiah Land go win the best defensive player in the country and still not get drafted? As a coach, how do I tell – one of my players that, you know, you're going you're gonna to do better than that. You know what I mean? You're going you're gonna to get drafted, just keep working. But the best player in HBCU, not only HBCU, but the best player in HBCU and FCS football doesn't get drafted. How, I mean, as a coach, what do you say to that? You know, I, I, truly, I truly don't have the words. I guess I ain't been coaching long enough to have the words for that. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, we were just talking about this this morning in our recruiting meeting, man. What to me, I, I think it's a situation where it goes back to finances. It goes back to people giving back to the HBCUs. It goes back to endowments. If we got the money to build and give give our kids the 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 uh, the, the foundations and the, the facilities that they're looking for, we might not have this problem. You know what I mean? If we can upgrade our facilities at HBCUs with the academics that we're able to offer, not only that, the, the academics, the social life, and all that good stuff that we're able to offer at HBCUs, our kids, our top kids will come back to HBCUs. And then when our top kids come back to HBCUs, guess what come with it? Sponsorships, NIL deals, money from the big networks. So it goes back to us as HBCU alums, you know, we, it's it's hard for us to look ourselves in the mirror and say, oh, we got a part in that. You know, despite what we may think, despite what others may may see or may feel, 
we have a part in that. We may say it's the NFL. We may say this. We may say that. But at the end of the day, if we're giving our student athletes the same opportunities for facilities and things like that that they'll get from those bigger schools, they'll come back because we offer a lot more than the PWIs would in terms of culture, atmosphere, and things of that magnitude. It's, it's almost like, you know, I don't like bringing them up a whole bunch, but it's when Dion went to Jackson. He said he ain't never been around 70,000 of his folks. You know what I mean? And it's, it's the same thing for these student athletes. If they can get around 60, 70,000 of our folks and see that, and uh, along with the Marching 100 and all the other bands playing, it's a different, it's a different day in college football. So it, we have to look ourselves in the mirror when it comes down to providing things for uh, our universities and giving these kids the opportunity to uh, see some of the same things that they would see at these FBS schools. Because if we if we had that stuff, those kids would definitely be back at our HBCUs. And then when those better athletes play at the HBCUs, that brings in revenue to the school and the program. So, you know, with that, we, we got to take some blame. Good point. Good point. Marcus, go ahead. Jump in there. How are you doing, Coach? Doing well, man. I got a couple. I'm trying to pick which one, but I guess we're going along on the um, the theme. I might try to double up for the sake of time. Two separate questions. Now, you mentioned the um, what I call the specter of the portal, the P5s and the NFL. And I guess what I'm thinking is we see, you know, with one family player jumping in the portal and, you know, witnessing how Isaiah land and him coming back didn't exactly result the way he wanted to. Can you elaborate a little bit more on the on the scope of the portal as it relates to players in general, more or less having free agency, if you will, to be able to go to a team, go to another school to maximize opportunities and what that looks like for HBCUs where we see that, and even before there was the widespread portal, I think a few years ago, there was a Delaware State defensive end who transferred to Michigan State. And this is before the advent of the true transfer portal, but I think as a grad transfer. And so now we're starting to see more and more of that. So if you could speak to that and how, or what HBCU coaches can do, if anything, to try to stave off a rating of the talent. Well, um, what's happened is the NCAA has, <laughs> has sort of kind of made this thing a free-for-all, to be honest with you. Um, one thing, I'm going to say this with, with as, as, as best I can without saying the wrong stuff. If, if one of these bigger schools wants, <laughs> wants our kids, there ain't really nothing we can do. We, with, with, with the ability to, to pay these kids with NIL money, man, there, there's, truly, there's truly nothing that we could do as HBCU head coaches or coaches in general that would get a kid to stay at the HBCU, especially, especially with what's happened in the draft over the last several years. Now, with that, uh, you got to understand now the portal is where some go to finish their careers. Because everybody ain't coming out of that portal. Um, I tell I, I, when I first got to Albany State, I told my guys, if you think you can play Division One football, you better make sure before you tell me you're going to the portal, you got somewhere to go. Because if you if you go in the portal for me, yeah, that's it. That means you don't want to be at Albany State. You don't love what Albany State has to offer you. So so if you decide to go in the portal, then that's where you need to go and make sure you have somewhere to go. Because if if you don't, then this ain't the place for you no more because you felt like 
you had to leave anyway to go find a better opportunity than Albany State had to offer you. But um, what, I, what I will say is what I, for our HBCU student athletes is uh, be careful because what ends up happening is our best players on the HBCU level um, sometimes take a chance because what we got to realize is, and I'll use my, 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 my career as an example, uh, playing, FAMU, uh, playing at FAMU and playing against uh, mostly HBCUs, having a, having a good showing against UM for a drive or two before I got hurt, then going to the playoffs, playing against Georgia Southern, having a good showing against them. And then my sophomore year, having uh, played against Appalachian State, Troy, and then against Youngstown in the playoffs gave me an opportunity to play some of those top tier uh, uh, PWIs on the FCS level. Um, so, so with that, uh, the scouts got a chance to see me play against some different talent. But when when the HBCUs play themselves like we do, uh, what what ends up happening when our student athletes decide to transfer and, and leave and, and go to different places. They're putting themselves behind the eight ball because these FCS pro, I'm sorry, FBS programs are a lot of times looking for depth. They, they, if you didn't transfer uh, before December and transferring in May, you, you setting yourself up because at the end of the day, if they've gone through spring and they've set their, they're too deep and all that good stuff, what they're looking for at this juncture is depth in case something happens, right? So uh, with that, we got to be careful um, with jumping in the portal and thinking we're going to get a better opportunity to go somewhere. Yeah, you might get a better opportunity and get some more gear and get a few more dollars in your pocket, but you can uh, probably guarantee uh, that you're going somewhere to be in a backup role or something like that. Why leave a situation um, where you're an All-American um, you, you just got to take the chance. I mean, at this point, you just got to take the chance because the draft is what it is, right? So if you get drafted, you get drafted. If you don't, the free agent opportunity out there is is is, is just as good as – get. well, obviously, for some, it don't seem like it's just as good, but all it is, a draft and the free agency, it's an opportunity. You know what I mean? There's been first-round, second-round guys that have gotten cut at the training camp. So all it is is an opportunity, and – Sometimes, yes, you are behind the eight ball because there's there's a numbers thing. But at the end of the day, if you go and, and you do your thing and you're worthy of a spot, they're not going to kick you out of the league if you're worthy. The only way you don't make it in the NFL if you're a free agent or even a draft pick is if you're not worthy and you're not performing for uh, for what they need. That's as simple as that. So guys that are from the HBCUs that are hopping in the portal, man, they got to be careful. They got to be careful, especially if they're not hopping in there with a place to go and if they're not hopping in there in December because that portal, man, there's over 3,000 kids in the portal. There's still kids in the portal that hopped in there in 2019. Yep. So you got to – I was just looking through the portal just today and, and was looking at some some positions that we thought we could maybe uh, upgrade at. But at the end of the day, you know, our kids that we have on campus, we do believe in them. But at the end, of, this is a business. Right. So you're always looking to improve your team. So, you know, you're looking in the pool and I see kids in there from 2019. I'm like, well, dang, I wonder where he is now, because he's, he's probably definitely not on the team that he was on. And if he's still in the portal, that means he may not be somewhere else unless he went and walked on somewhere. But 
Uh, again, that portal is a place like a desert, man. You can you can go out there if you ain't got no water, meaning if you ain't got nowhere to go, that's a place you can go and your career be over. So I I, I warn our guys, the HBCU guys, about hopping in that and listening to certain people because uh, a lot of times these kids are listening to people that have no idea how this thing works. And uh, with that, you know, you you just hope that there's somebody, if there's somebody in their ear, there's somebody in their ear with some with some sense that know what they're talking about and can really, you know, direct and, and give this kid advice that are helping um, at the end of the day. So, you know, we'll, we'll, with that, you know, that portal thing is, is it is what it is, man. And they just need to be careful with it. True. Marcus, you had a second question you wanted to throw in there as well. Uh, yes. I wanted to ask um, and without revealing too much, and so I know I can, if you scale back, I understand, but based on your Gulf Coast offense experience, to what degree is that integrated or are you bringing that to your new team? I'm going to tell you this, man. The, the Gulf Coast offense in itself was, at the time, revolutionary. Um, what Coach Joe brought in offense and, and what we did back then, man, nobody was doing, really, to be honest with you. So what we did back then, uh, people just weren't used to the speed that we played at. They weren't used to – because quiet as kept, man, we ain't run a whole lot of plays. We we ran a lot of the same stuff over and over and over again. We just did it at, at such, uh, such a speed that people just weren't able to line up. They weren't able to understand what we were trying to do. And, you know, uh, people like Georgia Southern, they had a year, not a year, but a whole season to see what we were doing. People like Western Kentucky had a whole season to see what we were doing. You know what I mean? So when it comes to teams that you – you would think teams that you play every year would, would catch on. But, you know, for, for Coach Billy and what we did, obviously he, he changed things up because of teams that we played each and every year. But the speed that we played at, man, was, was very, very different from uh, normal football back then. There, there really weren't a whole bunch of teams running – offenses that with four wide receivers at the speed that we were running. Um, and, and, and to be honest with you, um, there's a lot of stuff that's being done today because of what we did. Um, Coach Billy Joe used to go clinic all the time with all of these big time head coaches and all that good stuff. You know, people calling it different things that they, they call it what they want, the air raid and all this stuff. It's the same thing Coach Billy was doing, but they just trying to put their own spin to it and give it a name and them get paid off it. Cause if, because if Coach Billy Joe bottled that thing up and sold it, it would have sold out just like some of these books that's selling out with the air raid and all that good stuff. But uh, for me, man, I, I've I've sort of kind of uh, evolved offensively. Yes, we will play with speed. Yes, we will <laughs> we will play with a no huddle. Um, but for me, you know, the tight end is a very important piece to what I do, um, what we will do. Um, uh, the the. <laughs> We threw the ball 40, 45 times a game while I was at FAMU. I don't know if we're going to put it up that many times, to be honest with you. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, we do have some guys that are capable of doing that if need be. But um, if, if you know, if I'm honest with you, you know, um, over the years and the places I've been and the experience that I've got, running the ball is truly, truly a big piece of, of the game, and, and it has to be done for you to be successful. Um no matter what, how you look at it, teams that throw the ball, they have to have some type of 
uh, run game to go along with the pass game because if not, there is no RPOs, there is no play action, and people just drop back um, and, and try to cover you. But, you know, for me, uh, playing with speed, playing with tempo, and having the ability to control the clock is, is what we're going to be all about. And, uh, you know, that that part of it is something that we did um, back in the late 90s, early, I mean, mid to late 90s with Coach Billy joining the Gold Coast offense. And that part of my game and what we do will never change. Um, I just don't see the, the need to huddle, especially with signals and all that good stuff, different signs that people hold up now and these days. And we'll do the same thing with signs and signals because, you know, it's, it's, it's a part of the game now. And the places I've been and learned, it, it's it's definitely a game changer in terms of kids understanding um, and keeping things simple. Uh, so so for me, you know, taking that part of it to uh, Albany State is I think is going to help us tremendously. Thank you, uh, Quinn. Coach, I want to get you out of here with this final question or thought, um, because as I was trying to recall and I was doing some digging, there was this picture that I still have in my head of you, David Garrard, and Byron Leftwich, all of you with the Jaguars. Mm. And at that time, that was a pretty historic photo, if y'all remember, right? That, I would think mm -hmm. that – I don't think yeah. that had ever happened in the history of the NFL. Maybe it did, but I don't recall it happening. And then juxtapose that with what we had this past weekend, three mm -hmm. drafted. Um, so that was one thing that kind of, so, I mean, I know you had those years, but I wanted to ask you about an HBCU quarterback getting drafted. We haven't seen mm -hmm. one since Tavares Jackson, uh, prior to him. I think it was obviously you didn't get drafted, but I think McNair was before you. Mm -hmm. So that, so that would have been the last two, if right. I recall, mm -hmm. uh, this year from HBCUs, obviously the name that I think the two names, and I think it will be based on success. Uh, Davius Richard at North Carolina Central, possibly even our own Jeremy Musa at FAMU. Mm -hmm. What will it take for an HBCU quarterback? And, and we just talked about how difficult it is for offensive linemen, DBs, the receiver skill position, right? Mm -hmm. What's it going to take for a quarterback from an HBCU to get drafted? You, you won't. You won't. The, be honest. You want be a honest. political answer or you want oh, my no, answer? No, we, we, we want your answer. We don't want the politics. We're... It's going to take extraordinary play, man. Let's, let's just be honest. It's going to take extraordinary play. He had, those guys have to go above and beyond what a normal quarterback at, a, at another school would have to do. And that's just being completely honest with you. They have to play damn near like uh, Steve McNair or something like that to be able we to put this – Week in and week out. Yeah. And, and are they going to make mistakes? Yes. But those mistakes that they make can't be bonehead mistakes that they make over and over again. Um, we saw just a year ago, uh, no, two years ago, what's the kid that was at Alabama A&M? Everybody, I swore he was going to get drafted. I made a bet. Yeah. Yeah. Glass. I, I swore that he was going to, the kid was throwing the ball all over the field. Now, yeah. what happened? There was games where he threw four picks. There was games he threw five picks, things like that. And there was games he threw six, seven touchdowns. But when when you come when it comes down to uh, black quarterbacks or quarterbacks on the HBCU level that's playing against what they call lesser talent, you can't have those mistakes. 
yeah, you can throw a pick here and there, but to throw multiple picks, I threw multiple picks in, in a game once. I threw four picks against Hampton, but I also threw six touchdowns to help us win uh, back in 2000. And when it comes down to it these days, you just can't make those make those mistakes. I think, you know, these days they don't value the HBCU talent as much as they did back in the day. Because you're talking about guys from Hampton used to get drafted, Bethune-Cookman with Rasheen, even Tuskegee had guys that got drafted, you know, from a Division II school that, that, that were getting drafted in the second round, which is, you know, really unheard of um, in, the, in the grand scheme of things. But for HBCU quarterback these days, man, they got to be on top of their game. They got to be damn near mistake free. And then they got to be um, they got to be awesome people. You know what I mean? Um, and that's just, unfortunately, that's just the nature of the beast. Um, yeah. and, and again, I, I was going to give you the political answer, but I I, I, had, I couldn't do that. I had to be upfront <laughs> and honest with you, because with it, when you're looking at it, man, if our best skill guys aren't getting drafted that are tops in the country yeah. in FCS, uh, a, a quarterback on HBCU level, because they feel like they're playing against lesser talent as it is, he, he has to go above and beyond the call of duty to get his name out there and to be able to put his name on front street. There are no more uh, Joe Flacco's from Delaware's and things like that. Yeah. And Joe Flacco played against some of the top talent that they thought was in FCS football. And especially with the HBCUs that playing each other the way they do, they don't feel like the talent is, is good enough um, unless they go and do things like Musa did against North Carolina last year. Right. You know I mean? That is what has to happen. Teams like that, like I think FAMU plays, uh, is it South Florida this year? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They play South Florida. Jeremy Musa has to go have a phenomenal game. They can win or they can lose, but he has to have a great game against University of South Florida. And then on top of that, the rest of the season, he has to have phenomenal numbers and not make the mistakes if he that he didn't make against South Florida. You get what I'm saying? Because if he throws three touchdowns against South Florida, he better not throw three touchdowns and three picks against Bethune Cookman. You know what I mean? So that's that's what we're up against. We we're we're unfortunately, man, we're we're evaluated um yeah. uh, at a different at a different level when it comes down to it. And it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Cause yeah. the, the, the those billionaires that own them teams, as we can see the the stuff, excuse me, the stuff that's going on over the last several years and what they've tried to do to change those people's mind hasn't worked. And, and it ain't gonna yeah. work. Because they got all the money, and they do what they want to do. So, uh, and unfortunately, it is what it is. So, yeah. uh, for our HBCU quarterbacks, man, I, I wish them the best of luck. But at the end of the day, they damn near got to be perfect. Yeah, I, I was kind of thinking that was the that was the answer, but it's gonna hear <laughs> gonna hear it come from you uh, better than me. You know, uh, <laughs> coach, let uh, let people know where they can find you, uh, where they can uh, where they can reach you, and. Uh, and uh, any summer plans uh, for, you know, camps or anything you got going on this summer? Go ahead and uh, yeah. time is yours to plug. Yeah, man. Um, social media at Coach Q Gray uh, on Twitter. And that's Coach Q G R A Y. Um, and on Twitter, it's uh, Q G5, which is my old nickname when I played with the Jags and all that good stuff. So um, for us, you know, we're going to hit the road this summer, do a bunch of the mega camps, man. We'll be at Florida State's camp. We'll be at. Uh, uh, FAMU's HBCU camp. We'll be at Benedict's HBCU camp up in Columbia. We'll be at uh, the HBCU camp down in uh, Fort Lauderdale. We'll also be 
at the HBCU mega camp in July up in Atlanta. And then my coaches uh, have some camps that they'll do individually, like the special teams camp at Memphis, the special teams camp at Coastal Carolina and things like that. So we'll be hitting the road running. We won't have our own personal camp this summer um, because, you know, with the state of Georgia um, and those 501c3 paperwork, it take a little bit of time. So uh, I'm getting that stuff done as, as we speak. And uh, uh, by the time next summer hits, we'll definitely have that stuff situated and have our own uh, have our own camps on our campus and be able to invite all of the coaches from around the country to come and enjoy some of this South Florida. I mean, I'm sorry, South Georgia talent uh, in, in the state. So um, that's what we'll be. We'll be all over the South, Southeastern region this, this summer. Uh, uh, on top of that, you know, got some family stuff planned uh, with the wife and the kids and things like that. So looking forward to this first summer and looking forward to getting into this first season, man, it's going to be fun. Oh, let me tell y'all this. And I think y'all know, um, October 14th now, fam, you ain't got no game. We're coming. (laughs) I'll be there, coach. Is that that homecoming October 14th? That's Albany State homecoming, fam. We we did that on purpose. (laughs) <laughs> Look, I, I was there for this past year, uh, Coach Moore. Coach Moore, I, I, she did. Hey, uh, I, I know it's it's it was nice. It, it right. was nice. And I only came up for the game, so I may have to definitely get up there on a Friday as well, though. That's right, man. I, obviously, this will be my first experience, but from what I've heard, man, it is a great one. So oh, I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Had looking for uh, looking forward to obviously the season starting and, and getting after some folks, man. All right, uh, everybody. Uh, everybody in the chat, definitely make sure you go follow Coach uh, Coach Gray, uh, Rattler Nation. We always show love to ours. Uh, October fourteenth, uh, it's a bye week opportunity to head up north uh, from out of Florida and Tallahassee and, and get up there. The beautiful weather that time of year, by the way. Uh, I will say that. So uh, make sure to follow Coach. Make sure to keep the uh, Albany State Rams in the back pocket. Make sure to pay attention in the SIC. Uh, Coach, thank you for your time. Hey, I'm going to be up in your neck of the woods. To, uh, matter of fact, I got to be on the road in about less than eight hours. So, oh, I mean, I'm coming up, the, yeah, for the SIC baseball. So, I'll be up oh, in the okay. way. I'll, look, yeah. I'll look for you. That's I'll right on campus, you. man. We, yes, we, should be, we should be right there. I, uh, I see you. I'll make sure I buy you a Gatorade. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'll, be doing, I'll be doing a lot of broadcasting, so I'm going to need it. Hey, uh, right. thank you for your time tonight, Coach. Yeah, appreciate, I appreciate you. appreciate you guys, man. Thank you. Thanks, KJ. All right. Kelly, we said what's up. Huh? Tell Coach McKinley we said what's up. I sure will. He's I'm doing a great job for me, man. He's doing a great job. We get on him all the time because he's the youngest one there. So he's driving a van when we go recruiting and everything. So he's <laughs> <laughs> doing a good job, man. Absolutely. But I do appreciate you guys, man. You guys do a great job on here. All right. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Coach. Hey, uh, everybody, we're coming back on the other side. We got a special guest. We got family coming up, uh, one of our own, one of our family. Uh, We're going to talk to Lourdes Hemingway coming up here on the other side of this break. Hang in there. We'll be back in two. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. We'll be back in just a moment. Supermarket sushi, really? No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Never not working. Never not working. Never ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. 
standard of protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. This is Brian Fulford. A.B. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. When you're looking for the latest information on Southern University Sports, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, and HBCU Athletics, there's only one place to go. Tune in to the Carlos Brown Show, exclusively on the Black College Sports Network. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse, carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see, we could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, Marcus here. Uh, and it's a pleasure to be joined by Lourdes Hemingway. And of course, how you doing, Lourdes? I'm doing good. How are you? Uh, first off, it's a pleasure to meet you. Um, I understand... I didn't have, I didn't know you look, let me be honest. We, you, we, we pro- I probably passed by you at the orange and green game. Um, I think you were with Vaughn. Uh, oh yeah. 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 And, I, and yeah, so, nice, yeah. So I, having not had the pleasure of meeting you, uh, I was really sad about that, but I'm glad obviously, you know, we had your sister on last week. Mm-hmm. That was an awesome interview and I'm glad we actually had a chance to bring you on. So, how are you? It's good to see you. How are you doing? Oh, good to see you, too. I'm doing pretty good. You know, the semester is coming to an end, so, you know, we have to praise God for that. Um, and I'm just living, laughing, and loving. Amen to that. <laughs> Amen to that. Uh, tell us about now, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you're, are you graduating this weekend? Give us the give us the give your, your major, where you're at, uh, you know, and, and, and what your, your time like at FAMU has been right now. Okay, so I'm a business administration major. I'm a second year, but I'm a junior because I came in with some credits. So I'm a junior now, and I should graduate like fall 24. Definitely not graduating this weekend, but I will be be graduating in in a year or so. Um, My time at FAMU has been pretty – I can't even lie, it's been pretty good to me. I think 
there's definitely that culture of having a family, having friends, having friends that become your family, having professors that become your family. And um, I wasn't really like I knew that was the HBCU culture, but coming into I'm definitely uh, more grateful having to experience it firsthand. All right. All right. Go ahead, Kelvin. So, uh, first of all, your sister mentioned that you'll be going on an internship uh, this summer. Uh, Talk about that and and what you'll be doing. Okay, so I will be going to New York this summer to do a marketing internship with Estee Lauder. That's basically like my concentration in my major is marketing. So, if you don't know Estee Lauder, Estee Lauder is a cosmetic brand and they own, I think their brand portfolio is about 60 other brands that they've bought or acquired. So during the summer, I will be staying in New York and working under La Mer, which is a luxury skincare brand, the largest luxury skincare brand in the world. And I'll be learning consumer behaviors, marketing, um, putting together ideas, you know, things like that for the company. Okay. And how did you get involved with uh, working with Vaughn? Well, and, and what do you do? <laughs> well, I got involved. Okay. So there's this page that FAMU has. It's called Live Love Strike. And they post, you know, internships that they have, you know, in Tallahassee, job opportunities, what's going on on campus, you know, who's running campaigns, basically like everything you need to know at FAMU, it's on that page. So he posted that he wanted interns. So I just applied, I sent in my application and I just started working for HBCU game day for, or interning for HBCU game day. Oh man, Calvin, we, you need to get on that. We we need to get on that page. We we need some interns, okay. man. We, we, <laughs> <laughs> look, I learned something new every show. Look, hey, yep. hey that's what's up. Uh, you and so wait, so now you're in SBI, correct? Is mm-hmm. that so? It, 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 is this an intern? Because look, trust me, I SBI they help you with your internships. I mm-hmm. I went to New York with Pfizer. That was that was. I don't know if they still do the Pfizer internships, but. You going to New York? Uh, did SBI help put that together? Correct. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. For sure. Okay. See, that's you, you're 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 doing an intern that I don't want to show my age, but I feel like 25 years ago that wouldn't have been on the list. I'm just, I just, I'm just saying. I just, I just yeah. feel like probably not. Probably not. You know, it's it's a little new. It's a little new. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Marcus. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> You guys took all the questions I had, but I wanted to ask you, Miss Norris, uh, what do you think about going to New York? Have you ever been there? And have you connected with any alumni just yet who are up there? We actually, our guest mm-hmm. of ours last week, she is in New York, so and she's probably watching now. <laughs> but what are okay. your thoughts about going to New York? Well, number one, I've been to New York twice before because my because my uh, my god sisters and god brother they live there, mm-hmm. so I went over there for their graduation um, for two on two different occasions. So like after I went there, I was like, okay, I love it here. Like um, when I graduate high school, not high school, oh lord, when I graduate college, um, that's where I really want to live because I just I just like the fast paced life. I'm just I'm just not a country girl, you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> I get in the city. Um, but I'm definitely excited to go, you know, be somewhere where I can walk to places that I need to be at instead of, you know, having to drive or take some sort of vehicle. Um, I really like the culture, the lifestyle. So I'm definitely excited about going. All right. Um, I I want to ask, because I think I asked uh, Majesty this last mm-hmm. week. What's it like when you go out with your dad? When you were out with your dad, 
what was <laughs> what's your experience like? I mean, because you know, I, <laughs> share with us some some experiences and just your thoughts, if you would, of uh, being out with dad. Well, I'm sure you guys can see now. I look just like my dad. So even when That's I'm what not everybody out, in the chat room, everybody in the chat room is like, yes, yes, give a thumbs up if y'all agree in the chat room. Yes, you guys are so funny. You guys are so funny. Um, but. When I, see, I don't have to go out with my dad for people to know that my my dad was like in my life. So you know, I like first. Well, when I first moved to Tallahassee and everything, I was walking around Walmart or something. Somebody came up to me. They're like, "Oh, you're Kofi's daughter." I was like, <laughs> "Do I know you?" I was like, mm, "I mean, I could be. It depends on who's asking." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's always an experience, but. Definitely, you you know, going to family, going to the football games. I've just, I just had to say, you know what? If my dad's going to the game, I'll just, you know, go up there and speak and have a little conversation with him. Because if I go with him, he's, you know, you know, he he loved to talk a lot, you know, and network around with all these all these different people, and then watch the band after they were done playing or, or after the football game was over. So if if you're if you were going out with him, you were definitely going out for a very long time. And, you know, you be prepared to talk, prepared to meet, you know, 10, 10 new different people that you didn't know before. It's like, gosh, I thought you knew everybody. You know more people. Oh my gosh, oh, my God. But, yeah, it's always super fun. We're all, we're all super goofy and just lighthearted. And it's always just a good time. How does, how does that – how has that helped you? Obviously, you know, being in uh, in what you – in your profession or what you're looking to do – I mean, because those are sort of skills that I feel like are they're hard to learn. Uh, I, I, I don't, maybe they're not hard to learn, but, you know, everyone doesn't have that ability. And so when you see that example through your father and his interactions, how mm-hmm. has that sort of helped you as you're finding your way through your career path right now? Well, I think I've just I've just learned from my dad firsthand just really how to talk to people. And I think that just comes from him being a genuine person and just passing that on to me, because a lot of the time people try to, you know, work up this facade or this need to be different in front of other people. He really just taught me to be authentically myself and the right people. When you're in the right place, they will fall in line and they will be the people that you need to meet. So he definitely taught me that, you know, there's no there's no shame and meeting people, introducing yourself. You know, when I got to college, I didn't know my dad all my life has been teaching me, you know, what we now know as like the FAMU greeting or the SBI greeting. I was like, oh, I've been doing this my whole life. You guys are, <laughs> you guys are just catching up. But um, <laughs> so, yeah, definitely, he's definitely played a part in that. I think I'm a little bit more outgoing and definitely a lot less shy, you know, just because I've had to talk to so many people. True that, true that. Go ahead, Kel. Did you play uh, tennis uh, at all um, going, coming up and in high school? And then also, uh, uh, who, who, who's, what, what talent uh, do you have outside of just, you know, your personality? Uh, I, I know somebody seen and somebody was a speaker. So just kind of talk about that. Well, you know, me personally, I, you know, I don't stick to one talent. You know what I'm saying? I think the Lord has blessed me with so many gifts. So I don't think I can list them all right now. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But yeah, I did, I did play tennis. My sister was the better athlete, but don't tell nobody. And um, I played tennis. I did soccer for a few years. 
Um, but I say my main, my first passion has always been art, drawing, painting, all those sorts of things. You know, I also sing too. You know, I could do a cartwheel. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> you can do a cartwheel. That's a, that's a heck of a combo right there. Mm-hmm. Watch out. Watch out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Marcus, got any, uh, got any final questions for uh, Lourdes? Uh, what has been your best experience at FAMU? And do you have any friends who didn't go to the HBCU route that are that they live vicariously through you? Mm, that's a that's a messy second question right there. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you don't put their name in it, uh, it might be okay. Yeah, protect the innocent. Uh, but, yeah. Protect the innocent. There you go. Um, my favorite experience at FAMU, I'm gonna have to say, hmm, so far. So far, there's so many good experiences. I'm going to have to say, I would say like the way that you meet people through like clubs and organizations, I feel like the bonds that you form, people really become like with you for like the rest of your life, lifelong friends, things like that. I would say that's definitely one of my favorite things. Um, Second question. Yes, I definitely do have friends that did not take the HBCU route. Um, they may struggle a little bit with that culture. I don't. I don't really know. That's that's none of my business. I don't think they live. <laughs> I don't know if they live vicariously through me, but um, I think they definitely wish they had the HBCU experience. They wish they had the HBCU band. They wish they had the Step Fridays, the community, not walking past ten people before you find somebody that looks like you. You know, so. I think they, they, they like having a friend that has that experience because, you know, homecoming comes, everybody loves to cross the tracks. So oh, oh, yeah. there's definitely that. But I say they, they stay in their own world for the most part. Hmm. Okay. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, Lourdes, I, I want to uh, I want to thank you. Mm-hmm. I, and, I, and I genuinely thank you. Uh, and again, thank your sister. Thank your mom for giving us the giving the time that we had with with your dad in these platforms because mm-hmm. whether it be our show or Scotty's show this is it's time consuming i mean we do two hours of content and that's two less hours that he's with you guys and mm-hmm. so and then of course you know because of this his he's known more in so many more places and so i i just feel like i i, I always i just feel like i have to say thank you because you guys gave, you made it so he he wanted to give his time, and I know I've heard the stories. Your dad would be there whether he finished this, he'd be right there with you guys. So mm-hmm. maybe maybe there wasn't any time lost, but I just still feel like I, I want to say thank you and let you know that you know whenever whenever that you have something that you want to say promote, this is your show too. Your dad helped help make this what it is yeah. he, he is a part of this he will always be a part of this and thus you uh your sister your family you all are a part of this so whenever you want to promote something mm-hmm. whenever you want to share something with us whenever you want to just come on and say hey i want to come on and and do a segment on whatever sports or family related topic mm-hmm. just just call email tweet us it's done you got to we yeah. got you. We got a we got a box for you. You know what I'm saying? So uh I just wanted to share that and you know, I, I'm sure um 
we speak for everybody here. Uh, we're still, you continue to pray for you, lift you up in prayer, lift your mm -hmm. family up in prayer. And, uh, you know, we just wish you well um, as you continue down this path. Um, share mm -hmm. share with people any, any thoughts you want to share with Rattler Nation or your social media, because obviously, you know, you're heading to New York. Uh, we want to be there to support you, whatever way you need support up in New York. Let us know how we can how we can be there for you. Oh well, I mean, I'm definitely grateful to to be a part of you know this podcast because I was definitely you know one of the interruptions when my dad was on camera for sure. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay. So, laughs> closing microwaves, you know, opening and closing doors. So I'm just <laughs> thankful that I never got any complaints. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for having him. He was definitely, you know, one of the things he thoroughly enjoyed. He was all he's always talking about some sort of sports, something going on. So I'm definitely grateful that he got this outlet to, you know, talk to y'all because I didn't understand what he was talking about anyway. So, so um, yeah, for Rattler Nation, I'm gonna just say, you know, love on people as much as you can do everything in love, take life seriously, but not too seriously because we still need to have fun. We still need to love each other, enjoy each other and just have a good time. And, you know, strike, strike and strike again. Y'all already know the deal. So thank you for having me. Ah, beautiful. Hey, let, uh, let, social media, any social media handles you want to share, whether it be Instagram or Twitter. I don't know uh, if you're on one or all. Okay, well, if y'all want to follow me on Instagram, it's S S E D R U O L L L. It's my name backwards. You know, people get a little confused when they. Yeah. When they yeah. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna say, but it's my name backwards. So okay. yeah. Hold on, I feel like I need to create a banner for that. There's a lot going on there. Say that again. <laughs> that. Yeah, that's why I was <laughs> like, okay. S S E D R. I'm trying to look at her name backwards, and I'm like, oh, oh my goodness. LLL. Uh -huh. -L. Oh, I know I messed this up. At uh, at on on Instagram or Twitter? Yeah, that's my Instagram. Instagram. All right. Uh, we'll see if I get this right. We'll see. <laughs> big big reveal here. Did, did Brian get this right? Did I get that right? S S E D. There's one more L. Oh, There's three L's. L. Okay. Mm -hmm. see? My goodness. Mm -hmm. All right. Let me, let me try to get this right here. Three <laughs> L's. All right. There we go. I think I got it now. So, uh, Rattler Nation, you guys following us? All right. Mm hmm. All right. Thank you guys. You guys, you, so God is you guys please go, go take a look. Follow on Instagram. Follow Lourdes on Instagram, please. Those of you who are on Instagram, we'll make sure to, to follow and, uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna see your journey because I know you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna share a lot of the journey uh, mm -hmm. on Instagram in New York and so uh, we want summer reports. We we gonna have to bring oh, it back here. You, you and Matt. Yes. Yes. You, you, you gotta come back. You gotta come back afterwards. I'll be giving I'll be giving y'all some reports. You know, maybe I could be you know the inside scoop. You know, in homecoming going on and everything like that. Uh -oh. You know, because okay. I know there you go. I feel like these followers, they just going to miss me too much. So, you know. <laughs> yes, yes. We got a, we got a, we got an inside correspondent, Kelvin. We already got mm -hmm. one. Oh, we love it. We love it. Uh, well, hey, uh, Lourdes, you, uh, 
And, and finals are all out the way, right? Are they done or is it this? I week? have another one tomorrow. I'm okay. praying. I'm praying to the Lord for that one. But you know, what God course? has been good to me, so what, what I'm sure he'll be good for me to, tomorrow. So <laughs> what? Uh, what course is it? Uh, it's database files and management. It's kind of like coding. Uh-huh. Yeah. See, we're just all collective. Mm. Yeah. That's that that would say, hey, that one made me change my major right now. <laughs> I, I, I was gonna be a double major, but I, I, I took one of them CIS courses and said, nah, I don't need but one major. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. good. I'm good. Yeah. I'm, I'm good. sticking to one too. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, again, uh, safe travels on your way to New York. And again, uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for everything. Uh, be safe. God bless. And uh, we will we'll look forward to following along. And uh, we'll we'll get some reports. End of the summer okay. reports. All right. All thank right. You. Thank you, Lourdes. We appreciate no you. All right. This is well. Hey, we'll be back in just a minute on the other side. To clean up the uh with some more rattler roundup stuff so don't go anywhere we'll be back you're watching the ong strike zone we'll be back in two time to call a credit repair company to fix my credit hold the phone man you can do it yourself with credit versio that's way too hard call the credit repair company most credit repair companies only work on one or two accounts at a time making it slow and expensive you won't figure that out for months <laughs> ignore him credit versio's brilliant software scans all three credit bureaus finds the accounts that are hurting your score and guides you through the entire process anyone can do it let's fast forward and see the results wow i fixed my own credit and saved hundreds you can do this visit creditversio.com T. Madden & Associates is a sophisticated and experienced law firm located in your neighborhood. We're turning injury to cash. T. Madden & Associates obtained almost $2 million for my injury. They turned my injury to cash. Now, we can't guarantee how much your injury is worth, but we've recovered millions for our clients. Call T. Madden & Associates at 833-PAID-123. That's 833-PAID-123. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. Thank you guys for what you do for HBCU Athletics. This is a fantastic avenue for, for, for all of us. This is our ESPN, so we, 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 we love what you guys do. Brian, AD, Roy, all you guys at BCSN, we really appreciate what it is that you guys, you guys do for us. show um man what awesome kids um, yes 
what awesome kids. Yes, yes, Mrs. Hemingway, your babies did a great job today and last week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for sharing them. Thank you for sharing Kofi with us. Um, I'm wishing them, wishing, wishing both of them the best um, with their, with their summers. Um, man, what, what awesome, what awesome, awesome kids, man. Awesome, awesome kids. Um, wow. Um, a couple of suggestions here for uh, uh, Lourdes. I think J-Mac offering up a couple of, she's still, if Lourdes is still watching, you may want to take down a couple of good food recommendations from J-Mac. Says the Stage Door Deli in Manhattan um, has some good food. Also dropped another suggestion in there. Amy Root Soul Food in Harlem. Uh, definitely great suggestions there. Appreciate you, J-Mac, for dropping those in there. Um, you guys got any other suggestions that you want to share? Um you can definitely go. I think somebody told me did I misspell Instagram? Did I did I did I really Maybe do that? Instagram. Oh, Instagram. I my bad. My bad. I, I was it trying happens. to you know, like I she threw me off with the spelling it backwards and then with the triple L's. I'm like, my goodness, what what what? I kids, I'm telling you. God, love them. Love them. <laughs> um um yeah, uh, I love that. Living, yeah. laughing, loving. There it is, right there. There it is. Beautiful. Well said. Well said. Um, so again, we thank uh, two great back-to-back interviews. Uh, not only today um, with Coach Gray, and then Lourdes, and then you know, obviously we had Majesty on last week. Uh, <coughs> all right, so we'll try to. Bring us home here. We got a lot to to finish on. Um, we'll get to the big news, big news of the day or of the week. Kamari Stevens jumped into the transfer portal. I know Kevin was itching to, to talk on it, mentioned it, obviously. Now, okay, so here's what I want to say. At first, I'm seeing the news, and I'm just kind of like, yeah, we, we kind of – am I surprised? No, I'm surprised that – I'm thankful that he's the only one. But then again, let's really – when you look at the Kamari Stevens situation, he's one of the 47 student athletes who are graduating. Mm-hmm. So when we really think about it, I mean, look, He's walking out of FAMU with a degree. He came here for that purpose. Had a good season last year. Um, Made a name for himself. Got a lot of preseason praise. Had a good spring. Why not? Why not see what's out there? Um, I, I don't know if I've heard Coach Simmons state anything similar to what we heard coach gray say in terms of hey if you jump in the portal you know but uh so so i don't know i don't know uh 
go ahead, Kelvin. Your your thoughts as you as you saw Kamari <coughs> jump into the portal. My first thought was what Coach Gray shared. You know, you have to be careful because you have to find a program that's a good fit. And I just, you know, you don't want to be a complimentary piece. Here, he's a centerpiece. So that's my only concern, but I understand. I get it. He don't watch uh, two guys he, he practicing blood, sweat, and tears with that didn't get drafted. So I, I didn't understand him. You know, he has the size, you know, and all the metrics, 6'5", 250, you know. So I, I get it. I'm not mad with him. And I actually like how the team has responded. If you look at his teammates and everybody, you know, nobody has said anything negative or uh, throw it in the shade. And they shouldn't. Uh, he's uh, put his name out there. And he's gotten some power five uh, offers and interest and, and, and uh, as well as some none as well as some group of five um offers so so there's interest in him you know he has two more years if he wants to do two more years left so I understand it I'm glad he's gonna get his degree he's a rattler and and for selfish reasons I hope that you know he still choose to come back because he is our centerpiece uh you know, that's a position of depth. We do have a lot of guys with his size, and, you know, we brought in some transfers and JUCOs. Uh, but I kind of like to finish what, 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 what we started. That's kind of my mentality. But but if uh, he chooses to do other things, I wish him nothing but the best. And, um, and I, I understand the decision. Marcus? I'm the same as Kelvin, and I would say probably – Four or five years ago, I might have my initial reaction might have been on the bitter side, and like, all right, well, if you think the grass is greener, go ahead then. But now, with the advent of you know some maturity on my part, and also with the advent of the transfer portal, this is just the way it's going to be. And that's kind of the question yeah. that I asked Coach Gray is that more or less. And I was also posted earlier, and I know we talked about it even last year in the pit, Kelvin, about. Basically, you know, with the one-three transfer rule, are the most talented players in the HBCUs going to be more or less like um, training ground? Or, uh, I think it depends on the school. You're going to get. Is, is should that be an expectation? I hope not. It is a very good likelihood because of the the differentials between Power Five FBS and the resources at the HBCU level. We've seen, other than, I think, the young man over at Southern, we've seen the last two or three defensive players of the year or the top-rated players jump in the portal and or either come back or go for a year. I think the defensive end for Alabama is with the FSU for a year and then came back. I don't recall his name. Uh, and then the gentleman, I think the one from Southern, Jason, Jason, I don't remember his last name. He Dumas. Was, I'm sorry. Dumas? Yes. I think he, he didn't go in the portal, but he was the, when the spring season of 20, was that 2021? In the spring of 2021, when the SWAC did that six-game schedule, he would turned out to be the um, Buck Buchanan winner. 
and then last year we had Isaiah, and now we had. So you look oh, at on the defense. No, that wasn't Dumas. That was Carter. Right. Um, and he got hurt the next year. Dumas was there with him, but Dumas didn't. Doom, well, was it the other way around? Dumas transferred from Prairie View. Prairie View. Yeah, Dumas was at Prairie View. No, no, and, not him. There was some the guy who was at Southern who was a defensive end and got yeah. Yeah, he, spring he, did, he never transferred. He never transferred. No, he I'm just, not saying he was in the portal. I say he was the only one that didn't. But you look at the last few oh. top defensive players, Isaiah Lance considering it last year and then came back to fan. The guy who was at Alabama A&M the year before, I think he did a little quick dance at FSU for a season. Then he went back to Alabama A&M. So it's starting to become well before more we, prevalent. Before we, before we, again, take every instance with its own – look at each one in its own individual bubble. And, and I say that because – we FAMU has had the I don't know the numbers, but it just feels like we've had the fewest number of players. We have, we have. The portal. We have. <clears throat> and, and we said we have not won a SWAT title in these two years. We made one playoff appearance. That tells me that the culture that Coach mm-hmm. Simmons is built and the university itself stands on a certain leg on its own like those are two strong legs that it's like you came to FAMU for something quality of life which you cannot match anywhere else I don't care what you think is out there in the SWAT you can't match what FAMU has in terms of quality of life that's why we are the way we are I mean other schools can think they got it no and so yeah we may have some inadequacies in a few places Mm -hmm. but it balances out so all that to be said, Kamari Stevens graduating. He is graduating. Yes. You know, now it'd be a different story mm-hmm. if he wasn't graduating. Then I think we can look at this in a certain way. But I'm once I learned that he had graduated, because initially I just kind of was like, hmm. And so then when I saw the story come out that he was one of the 47 that graduated, I was like, okay. Hey, man, I, I still was wishing him well, but I felt even more well wishes because, hey, man, you 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 alumni, you 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 great. Now, mm-hmm. if your goal is to go pro- and play professional sports, it, it's not like you can't do that at FAMU. You can, but you want to you want to test the agency, test the free. You, you'll never be hotter than you are right now. So go test it. Go see what's out there. Can you be more than a, a second or third string rotation player guy? You know. Um, and, and see where it falls. I, I just I would just be cautious about lumping all of these guys into one bubble because I think just like the guys who are getting drafted, every case is so unique. I mean, you well, have four- I'm not I'm not saying they all did it for the same reason. I'm just saying that you see three or four people who are top tier swag players either testing the bubble or getting or testing the um portal or you know and getting enticed into the portal i i think that's gonna be yeah i, I think that's gonna be the norm I but i, I don't have norm. any but like both of you i don't have any disagreement with him doing it. he's got his degree he came in class of 2019 and i have to look back at my files but i don't know if he was like two star three star or anything like that coming out so fam you has developed him family has developed isaiah land you know it's the culture 
the coaching and whatever things we may or may not have compared to power five programs, it was good enough to develop both of them at the top conference level and in some case, in Isaiah's case, national level and in Isaiah, I'm sorry, Xavier Smith's level, national level recognition for their football prowess. All right. Um, let me make mention of. Uh, oh, we also anything. need to answer the question for the gentleman that sent an email earlier. Uh, oh, you you want to jump right to the recruiting stuff? Um, yeah, if you if you got that if you got that ready, let me let me get this one out of the way since we were talking sure, about sure. Kamari and graduating, um, and then we'll come to you, Marcus, on that one. So forty seven spring graduates are going to walk the stage this upcoming uh, weekend. Uh, football will have eleven graduates. Softball with six. Men's track and field six. Baseball, five. Women's basketball, five. Cheerleading, four. Women's track, four. Volleyball, three. Golf, two. Men's basketball, one. Uh, some some heavy names in these in these classes. I mean, baseball, you got uh, Ty Hanchi, Hunter Veach, Jared Weber. Um, of course, our good friend, Naila Clarington, graduating with uh, cheerleading. Uh, football. You got guys like uh, Nicholas Dixon, friend of the show, Donald Hall, uh, esports champion, um, uh, Lejean Howard, of course, Isaiah Land, Javon Morgan. We mentioned Stevens and Kamari Young. So two Kamaris, but actually Kamari Young, the tight end, is coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to see any any names. Let's see, women's basketball, um, Dylan Horton. Graduating, Mallory Brooks graduating. Uh, in softball, uh, friend of the She's program, Janiah Davis, uh, friend of the program, Naya Morgan, both walking. Uh, Nadia Zenteno pitching. Uh, Janae Mobley, big player, big hitter. Destiny Cuevas, big player, big hitter, graduating. Uh, that's some big names off of softball. Mm-hmm. They had like 10 seniors, but I think, what was that, six that are graduating and walking off the stage? Uh, volleyball, uh, Iramu Carr, uh, Brooke Hudson. Um, so, I mean, that's just some of the names. I think I heard ADVP Sykes say that this is one of the largest groups, you know, at one time. So, it is. yeah, that, that's pretty good. For I thought so. 40 that's what it's about. That's what it's about. And I believe uh, the COVID year. Uh, it's finally uh, getting ready to. Uh, the, this is the last of the COVID year kids too. So um, next year, I think next year will be the last of the COVID kids, probably. Uh, winter or winter or spring. Oh, uh, uh, only a few. It, it it won't be a whole bunch of them. It, it'll only be a few. Um, but also, I just wanted to say we had uh, four sports. Uh, VP sites also tweeted out. We had four uh, sports that uh, had perfect scores in terms of uh, APR. Yeah, um, I saw that. Um, if you if you have those, do you have those offhand? If not, I'll go to Marcus. I'll let Marcus. I do not. I'll see if I can find it, but I know well, no, no, golf no. is well, one. Well, here, let's let's do this, Marcus. Let's go to the question. 
that we were going to. And while you're doing that, then Kelvin can look up and come back with APR. We don't have to try to guess. We can just go from one story to the next. What was the uh, question that um, was proposed or that was asked? Uh, we had a question in our inbox. Whenever you have a question, guys, send us an email, ongstrikezone at gmail.com. So you got that, Marcus? What was that? Uh, the question was about the recruits for uh, the class of 2000 signees. You got who it was from? Do you have that pulled up as well? I didn't. I could find out really quick. I, I I do have that uh those those sports. All right. Well, while Marcus is looking that up, we'll, we'll well he's finishing that up. Go ahead, Kevin. What are those sports that we had to perfect? Perfect. Now these are perfect APRs. Perfects. Perfect single year uh, APR scores. So we had cross country golf and volleyball. Cross country golf and volleyball. Okay. Okay, Coach. Uh, go so kudos, uh, uh, Coach Rice. Uh, who's who's running cross country program now? Uh, it was Coach Peoples, so he gets credit. We you know we got a new coach. We got a new coach now, but it was Coach Peoples up until January. We talked to Coach Peoples. Shout out to Coach Peoples, definitely. Uh, congratulations to those three programs and those student athletes and coaches on uh, you know getting that perfect year uh, together. All right, Marcus, coming back to you. Are you yes. are you good? You ready? Okay, I, have so, the, I think I have so the presentation. I don't have the question. I can't get for some reason. I can't get in my email right now. And I have the slide. <laughs> I have the slides up. Uh, well, at least I have them. You got the slide. All right, here we go. It's like it's loaded. Oh, there, there it is. Go. All right. Yeah, I don't know how to work. I got it. you. Okay. I got you. Go ahead. All right. First up. Uh, Sydney Humes are coming from Alabama, Homewood High School. We did review this a couple weeks ago, but we do have a new addition. And so she's coming in, and you can see she has some All-State accolades uh, for the AL.com uh, Super All-State Volleyball Team and also voted on the All-Region Volleyball Team uh, for the Birmingham area. And, and this was a question. So let me let me re, let me reset. Mm -hmm. This is a this is coming from Alfred uh, Alfred Palmore or Palmore. I hope I'm saying your name right, Alfred. I probably butchered your last name. But the question was, who were the four that signed to play volleyball at FAMU, and any others that signed for 2023? So that was the question. I was like, oh, I know my guy Marcus has got that. I mean, I thought we went over it, but Marcus has got it. So all right, so there we go, Marcus. There's the. <sighs> Yes. So our next signee is out of Atlanta. We actually got two um, out of the Atlanta area. And, and Coach uh, Gokhan mentioned this back in December and took a little digging. There were a couple that were more obvious than others that put their stuff out there, but it eventually comes out. So Milano Thornton uh, out of Kennesaw Mountain High School. Uh, they made uh, the quarterfinals in the first round. So she signed. I think she's an early signee. She signed in November. And I believe the previous young lady, I think she signed in November as well. Uh, Shelby Walker Chamblin, she was the second Atlanta person, and she took it took a while for me to find information on her. And actually, I think someone sent it to me on and, and Facebook. I'm not really on Facebook that tight. But she's an outside hitter, middle blocker, 5'10". And you see, she was voted at the uh, GVCA, Georgia Volleyball Coach Association, All-State Volleyball Team, and her team went to the state semifinals in at level uh, 4A in the state That's of Georgia. That's what we like to see. That's what we yes. like to see. And actually, there's a, I believe there's a YouTube video of her interview and her commitment 
that came out around October. Nice. Uh, the fourth person from Ayani Sanford from Chaktawachi High School in Fort Walton Beach. Yeah. And they got to the regional semifinals in the second round of Class 5A. Uh, overall record 23 and 6. And so uh, doing it really, really well, doing it big. I think she also signed in November. And the last person, just I want to say a week ago, on April 26th, that came up and this happened to come across. She's um, originally of Bulgarian descent, but she made her way to junior college in the U.S. She played on the under 16 junior national team of Bulgaria. And I believe she may have played some club before she came over in the U.S. and JUCO, uh, Alexandra Koliva. And she's a setter, and she was playing at Miami-Dade. Actually, I think she played at Tyler College in Texas and then came to Miami-Dade. And her team, uh, she made first conference uh, in the Suncoast Conference in the FCSAA, which is the Junior College Athletic Association in the state of Florida. So she made the All-Suncoast Volleyball team, and her team lost in the finals for the Division I uh, national championship for the for volleyball and lost to Florida Southwestern. And so we have four high school signees and to date one transfer, one JUCO transfer. And I've been peeping out different people and trying to drop hints on their announcements that they've been transferring of coming over to FAMU. Hasn't worked just yet. And I don't want to get us in trouble. But there are a couple of people that I've seen. I'm like, hmm. They mean, you don't have actually, a you don't have a burner you don't have a burner account, Marcus, where you're like notifying these people via burner accounts. No, I don't have an evil Decatur G account. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a, and actually one young lady, I was hoping she would come to us. She went to Florida State, but she transferred from Oregon, and she's from the ATL. So I was like, oh, and she has two years left. But she uh, signed on to Florida State in January. But there's two more that just came out this week that I'm keeping an eye on. Uh, one young lady, and actually, there's one from T- TCU. I have to follow up on her, see what she's doing. And there's one young lady from two from Iowa that just um, got in a portal. I want to say within the last week or so. And I think they're both from Texas. So I'm hoping that our our newfound Texas pipeline between football and volleyball will help us out. Nice, nice, nice. All right, good stuff. So uh, there you go. Uh, Alfred, we appreciate you. And of course, if you guys have a question for Marcus or Kelvin or maybe even me, you can always send us an email. Uh, ONG Strike Zone at uh, gmail.com is where you can find us. All right. Uh, continuing with the Rattler Roundup, it's uh, Division I NCAA tournament time for the Lady Rattlers, our ten- tennis program taking on Georgia, the Georgia Bulldogs, uh, in Athens Friday. Um, Athens is the host site. Uh, I think Florida State's even coming up that way. Florida State there, too. Yeah, so uh, Georgia, just to kind of give some context of who we're going up against, uh, they won the SEC tournament title. Uh, This is the 36th straight year that Georgia has earned a bid to the tennis tournament, the NCAA tennis tournament. Uh, they have an all-time tournament record of 30, of 89 and 33. 
this is the 12th consecutive year that the Bulldogs have earned a host uh, position for the first and second rounds of the tournament. Uh, pretty nice facility, too. If you took a look, I, I didn't even know tennis facilities were like that, to be honest. I mean, look, that tells and, you. And they're going to put $28 million more into it after the season. Yeah, so uh, it's kind of, it's interesting. Like, when I always heard Kofi talk about uh, improving the Althea Gibson Tennis Center, I, I I never wanted to say, how you want to improve it, Kofi? I mean, look like pretty nice courts. Well, I, after I've seen what else is out there, you're like, yeah, hell, we why don't we have a – Upper level. We need an indoor. Yeah, we, we we need an indoor facility. Yeah, hey, that that would be nice. That would be nice. Um, you, you would you would think we're on that. You would think maybe right with some of that USTA Althea Gibson. You know, instead of throwing up a instead of throwing up a statue, you know, how about invest in an indoor facility down here in Tallahassee on the campus of Florida A and M University, USTA. Just you know, just a thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a thought. Uh, so there's also, and I was trying to, I reached out to Coach Nikki via email, but uh, you know, I don't know how heavy she is in the email. But um, there's also the single and doubles tournament, which will begin. I was trying to find out if we have any of our single, or we had an awesome year on doubles. So I'm just curious if we have any of our uh, players participating in that tournament, you know, um, just, uh, just, just to see, just to see, uh, but yeah, any Rattlers that are going to be in that area, Athens, Georgia, Friday, one o'clock Eastern, uh, go over to the facility, go support. Um, I, I, Absolutely. I, I got a good feeling that the, uh, Atlanta, uh, Atlanta or Atlanta slash Georgia folks, will will make a make an appearance it's the first time i want to say is this the first time ever <clears throat> i think that's what was shared during that that's HB, what, yeah, HBCU well, game that day HBCU game day clip which by the way was an outstanding job i'm, I'm, I'm probably guessing vaughn had something to do with that but um that was an excellent piece that covered not only look i didn't know uh coach nikki was a was a rider like that. I mean, you know, she's yeah. <laughs> got the bike club and everything, but uh, that was a pretty cool uh, look into, you know, that. And then, uh, but, but it talked, I think she did mention it's the first time that we're competing in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting given the fact, you know, we, we won the MEAC a few times back in the late nineties, early nineties. Yeah, kind of interesting, right? Um, all right, any, any guys, any final thoughts there on tennis or just that opening round? Well, fans can cheer as part of the college, uh, the college format. It's not like the U.S. Open where they shush you before they you serve, be quiet. so you can, you can, yeah, be loud. so you can you cheer. Can so if we can get it. some rattlers, rattlers out there. It's about what an hour and a half, two hour ride east yeah. of Atlanta, yeah. All right, that's something if we got good. folks in making uh, sorry, Augusta, they can make it down too. Yeah. Uh, so again, you you can cheer. So you know, be loud, be loud, be proud. Wear some orange and green. Show out, represent. Let these uh, let these young students, uh, student athletes, know you're 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 there for them. All right, we got to talk softball quickly. I know we're coming up on the end of the show, but we got to get into softball real quick <laughs> because 
Uh, I've been scrambling trying to make sense of what is going on. Okay. Let's start with the, you know, we, we talked about uh, where, where's my, where's my unfortunate uh, banner. Yeah. Spring sports took it on the chin. Sorry to cover you up there, Marcus. Spring sports took it on the chin. Cover my chin. Yeah. Right there on your chin. Uh, we baseball got swept, we got swept by the best team in the SWAT. I'm just flat out. They are Alabama state. Uh, softball lost two of three to Jackson state. Um, in case you didn't know, or if you didn't watch the broadcast game one, um, Tiffany green did a great job of pointing out that we're down to two pitchers. Uh, Nadia Zentino and Lauren Peppers. That's it. There's only two arms we have. Uh, yeah, we, we had one that we lost to injury, and then we lost uh, another one that left for personal reasons. <laughs> so we're, we we had we're down to two, and we already knew going in that this was a we we didn't even have a full roster. We knew that from our interview with Coach P uh, back uh, back in uh, uh, what early February, late January. So we knew we were we were in a tough spot. So here's the thing. Like initially I had I had asked um Josh Padilla, you know, because I saw our record and I'm like, okay, wait a minute, we're just really a half a game behind Jackson State now. Jackson State moving to 13 and 11. We should be 12 and 11. Then I saw something on the SWAT website that said we were 11 and 12. And then, of course, then I heard some announcement at the 220 club that said we weren't participating in the SWAT tournament. I was like, huh? I'm like, wait a minute. What in the world is going on here? Um, Come to find out that whatever was on the SWAT website was a misprint. Got fixed eventually. I don't know who, you know, maybe my emails helped. Who knows? Uh, But... Uh, the original plan, as it was shared with me, was that that game, which was postponed twice before due to weather, we have one game to make up against Alabama A&M. It will get made up this Sunday. This Sunday. There's no other games happening unless they're makeup games in the SWAC softball. The tournament starts next week. But FAMU has to win. FAMU has to win that one game. And if they should win that one game over Alabama A&M, they will end up with a tie. Actually, it'll create a three-way tie, to be honest. I don't understand the whole tiebreaker rules. All I know is what I was told is if we win and there's a three-way tie, we knock out Jackson State for the four spot. Yeah. You're on mute, I think, Kelvin. Um, we better win. Yeah. So that's what's at stake. Are you there, Kelvin? Go ahead. Give Mike check. Nope. Marcus, I hear you, but I think you're on mute too. Yeah, I just said we better win. Oh, yeah, I got you. I got you. Did I lose you, Kelvin? Yeah, Kelvin's trying to. No, he can hear hear us. us. That's great. We can't hear you though. Um, but that that's what's on the line. So I'm not even going to try to analyze all the other stuff. 
all I've been told is that we win, we're in. So Where's that game, game will be okay. Sunday. Sunday at 1 o'clock Eastern, noon Central. Now, what's interesting about that, and I was I wanted to reach out to a couple people and find out, graduation is Saturday, May 6th. Obviously, we've got six girls that are on that, including Janiah Davis, Naya Morgan, uh, Janaya uh, Mobley. Mobley. Thank you. That's three starters right there. Uh, I think uh, Destiny Cuevas was injured. I don't know if she's back to playing yet. But that's at least three starters. So I'm just wondering, okay, after graduation, I'm hoping, you know, I don't know if they're driving or is the school flying them up to Huntsville so that they can play and, you know, fly them up Saturday night so that way they can be there uh, rested and ready to go Sunday for what should be the biggest game of the season. Mm-hmm. Biggest game of the season. One game, win, and you're in. Uh, and, now, and it looks I, like we're having three commencement speakers, so I'm assuming we're having three ceremonies. And I guess they're divvying it up, I'm assuming. Cause I would hope so. Way back when I graduated, it was like one big one. But now they got three separate ones. I'm assuming they're dividing them up by school, so it depends on which major they have. So they could be across three different ceremonies. Now, yeah. I do believe, or from what I saw from the press release, it looks like at least Janaya and and Naya are in the same discipline. Okay. I don't know uh, about everybody, but I think they're in the same degree program. So for better, for better or for worse, they'll be in the same one. Now, I don't know if it's in, in the earlier ceremony, because usually I think now they started having one on Friday morning, Saturday. I'm sorry, Friday evening, Saturday morning, and then Saturday evening. So it depends on which school, where their schools line up as it relates to which one, which are, which um, ceremony they're assigned to. And I'd imagine even that the date and time of it was probably negotiated just because of the graduation ceremony. I don't know about Alabama A&M, but I'm sure that they probably wanted to accommodate the seniors for FAMU to make sure that it could be as fair a contest as possible, given the stakes. Uh, Kelvin, are you back there? Do we back, we got you back there yet? No, not yet. No, not yet. Not yet. Looks like <laughs> okay. All right. You have to so, type it in the chat. I'll yeah, you it. have to type it or, or hold up a big sign or something. Just write it down or something. No, just uh, okay. So we somehow lost Kelvin's audio. Um, but uh, I, I think I'm trying to see. Do we have? Oh, the the last thing that I think we had to mention was track and field, SWAC mm-hmm. indoor or SWAC outdoor championships this weekend. Are this weekend um, location? Ooh, I just had the location. I forgot where it is. Um, but I was just going through some of the top performances from from the outdoor season. Um, did you know, Marcus? Lauren Hall has the fastest 100 meter time this year. Eleven point five three. All right. And she's a transfer from North Carolina, University she of North is. Carolina. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, eleven point four five three. 
fastest time. Um, Dejon Clark, who was the athlete of the uh, week, and that reminds me, you know, shout out to not only Dejon Clark, who was the field athlete of the week, but shout out to Naya Morgan, who was the co-hitter of the week. Uh, you can kind of see the stats there um, where for Naya, she had two homers in total five RBIs, a slugging percentage of 1.5 hundred. Uh, so uh, congrats to Naya and Dijon. But speaking of Dijon, he had the third fastest time in the in the men's 100 meter this year. Um, behind a, behind three different Alabama State guys. So Alabama State will be probably the favorite in that 100 meters. Hopefully, fam, you can come away with a dub in the uh, in the women's 100. Um, I'm just kind of I know we had the fastest time in the in the four by 100 meter in the 200 meter. Uh, Toledo Williams. Second fastest time of the season, 23.45. So she's a name uh, to watch out for in that event. And the 400 meters is also, she had the third fastest time of 54.43, which was only 0.3, three-tenths of a second slower than the top time, which was by a young lady at Bethune. So Toledo should be in the hunt, not only for a 200, but a 400 as well. Uh, just kind of glancing here quickly to see if I look up and I see any other events where FAMU had a fast time during the year, uh, not coming across anything off the top. You know, as mentioned, that four by 100 team, um, has the fastest time of the year, 45.43. So, you know, they'll be, they'll be the ones in front. Uh, four, we also have the second fastest four by 400 relay team uh, for women with uh, 345, three minutes, 45 seconds. Uh, I, I, you know, it'll be interesting to see how we score from a women's. Obviously, we have the defending swag champ in the pole vote, Kiara Ivy. Um, John Clark in the long jump had the best time. He and Pache Caldwell had the best two times all season. So they will be the top two seeds, I'm sure, for the long jump, two of the favorites. And... Scrolling through, that will pretty much do it. So again, Marcus, where is the where is that track meet at again? Um, you know, I'm not sure. Let me find I, out really I quick. You guys, might, uh, well, while you're looking, I'll keep going here. Then Javelin Quentin Williams, <clears throat> second best throw of the year for the Javelin, and and that's it. So I don't know, you know, if we if we can pull off a couple of first place wins, who knows? We might we might mess around and win a women's swag outdoor title. Would not surprise me, given all that the ladies have done this year for uh, 
for FAMU. All right. Kelvin, did we get your mic figured out or no? No, now, now I just got a static Kelvin. All right. Well, I think it's just you and me now, Marcus. Um, right. So let's get ready to uh, wrap up the show. Uh, any final words or any final thoughts uh, in, in, uh, that you want to add, Marcus? Uh, just keep moving forward. Well, first and foremost, congratulations to the graduates. Yes. All the folks who have played and represented <laughs> well over the course of their careers and just looking forward to rounding out the sports. We've got baseball to finish up. Hopefully we have more softball after Sunday track and field. And hopefully we have some folks qualify, you know, with the times maybe for NCAA regionals. I know the last two years we've had folks and those folks have, have moved on, have transferred, but hopefully we'll, the, the current team will continue that tradition of qualifying for the NCAA. Um, all right. Good, good point. Glad you bring it up. Kelvin, any, are you, let's see, give one more shot to see if Kelvin's mic comes up. Kelvin, you're there. Give it a try. One last shot. Are you there? Three, two, one. Mic check, Kelvin. No. Oh, that's all right, Kelvin. I don't know. I, I think you tried. See, you tried something new. He says tried Prairie to, View. Looks like it. So the track and field championships are Prairie oh, View. And Prairie View. Okay. We're at Prairie View. Okay. All right. Ooh, good deal. So I guess the seniors you. are going to miss the graduation. The seniors uh, on the track, they're going to miss oh, graduation. Yeah, yeah that's uh, – that sucks. That sucks. Uh, and even the tennis folks, depending on when – because they'll be up in Athens. Well, if, if they win, yeah. If they if they win on Friday, yeah. But but we only have one – I think we only have one player on the tennis program. Um, that's, that's true. That's true. We have a young team. That's graduating. Uh, hold on. I'm looking at the list now. Uh, women's track and field has four young ladies. Uh, I don't see uh, – men's has uh, – yeah, men's has a handful, six of them, including Pache Caldwell. So, uh, yeah, he definitely won't get that. Maybe maybe they'll let them – you know, I don't even – I don't even want to take time to try to figure out how that might work. Uh, tough decision, though, when you got a SWAT championship on the same day as graduation. Maybe they'll – Maybe he'll get a chance to walk across the stage in the summer, uh, even though he's graduating in the spring. I don't know. Just a thought. But like you said, Marcus, I echo your sentiments and say congratulations to the new group of alumni that will be joining the family alumni chapter. Uh, We want to encourage you guys to give wherever you are and wherever you go. Give back to FAMU, even if it's a small amount monthly, $10, you know. Uh, so we we want to encourage that. And, uh, hey, this weekend I'm going to be in Albany, Georgia. Anybody that's in Albany, Georgia that wants to see some baseball, uh, we'll be covering the SIC. It's also my birthday weekend. So uh, I'm hoping Albany's got some, got some stuff to do. I'll be looking for some stuff to do this weekend, Marcus. Uh, even if it's just a good steak or some good barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> in Albany, at, uh, at the least, I at can't the least. really. I've, I've driven. Any suggestions? Yeah, any suggestions yeah. in Albany or within a 30-minute ride of Albany? Any suggestions? Hit me up on Twitter at DRB365. Let me know what I can do 
up in uh, up in Albany or the within the 30 minute surrounding area. Uh, so that's going to do it for tonight's show. Obviously, uh, we got to thank uh, Coach Quinn Gray for coming on. Uh, got to thank uh, Lourdes Hemingway for joining the show. Uh, thank all of you on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and for Kelvin Rocher. Uh, hold on, hold on, one more. We're gonna see. Maybe, maybe this will work. We gotta. I, I, you know, I'm still willing to fight for Kelvin. Let's see, Kelvin. Kelvin, hello. Speak. Ah, oh, sorry. Well, wave to the people, Kelvin. Wave to people for at least if you're watching the show. Uh, Kelvin is saying to strike, strike, and strike again. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening to us on the BCSN Pod Zone, well, that's what he said. Uh, <laughs> All right, <clears throat> I got to get out of here myself. I got to hit the road in about seven hours. Uh, for Marcus Green, Kelvin Rozier, I'm Brian Fulford. Make sure to find the show, the BCSN Pod Zone, in podcast format everywhere you listen and download podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, Google, Apple, all that good stuff. Go download the Jericho Broadcast Network's app on the Google Play and Apple App Store. And uh, make sure you're following us, ONG Strike Zone, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hit the thumbs up button. Thumbs up button. Hit it. Hit it. Like, 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 like. Thumbs up. Two thumbs up. And then uh, be good out there to everybody, okay? Uh, Be safe. Be smart. Fangs up and make sure to strike, strike, and strike again. Peace out. Shout out to all the May birthdays. Happy birthday, everybody. We're out.